Cool Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with you as always. And in today's show, I'll be talking the most polarizing fantasy players for 2022. Back at last. I'm feeling a little sick, unfortunately, but should be okay. But I have had a whirlwind of a last week or two, and I'm still extremely busy. But I wanted to make sure we're getting an episode for this week for you guys because I want to be back on schedule and I want to talk fantasy football and give you guys consistent content. So that's what we're doing here today. Two quarterbacks, three running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end. It's actually kind of a couple, a few more than that because I did some doubles. So we'll just talk about all those guys and kind of go in depth. And I will give you my early kind of take on those guys. Obviously, subject to change, the season's still plenty of months away, but I think it's important and I think it's a good change of pace because a lot of times in the early offseason, what we try to do is reflect. We try to see what happened in the previous season, recap. We try to, I mean, maybe I, I always try to keep my analysis a little more general too, as we don't know sometimes with free agency and the summer coming up, how things are exactly going to shake out. So we don't always know like exactly how a player is going to end up being. So I don't like give a ton of huge takes early in the off season generally, but that's what I'll try to do today. I'll give some early like takes on these players, which is always fun. And I think it's the most fun part to be honest. So it should be a good episode today. So be sure, of course, if you don't already to follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF. I apologize once again for the late release of this show. Again, schedule been really backed up at SGF pod is the show Twitter. So if you're ever on Monday and like, don't, see a show i'm never going to like not do a show and then not say anything i will always let you guys know so it'll be on the twitter over there and um, most of the time try to get those out on mondays of course but that's where you get your updates so if you're ever wondering that's where you can find it at sg sports talk actually why am i i don't know why i'm plugging that that's a dead account because i moved off of youtube so i guess instead you can follow me on Colorcast. just download that app the link's in my bio you can also go to at Colorcast app on Twitter or Colorcast, C-O-L-O-R-C-A.S-T, and you can download it on iPhone. And that's where I do game broadcasts, and I do shows there sometimes, and generally I'm just hopping around as well. Uh, I've done debate shows on there. I've done game broadcasts. I've done weekly sports shows. I go on other people's shows sometimes. So it's just a fun community in general and very interactive, so that's a fun place to be and potentially in the future they just added the ability to record casts so maybe i will look into doing a live episode there in which case i'll give the info far in advance so you can download the app know when it's going to be i'll have it scheduled there i can do a live episode that also goes out to you guys as in podcast form but like record that so if you want to hear it live i think it's a good combination because i want to do more fantasy football stuff live i just haven't done it as much but like generally I do the live stuff for like other sports and other broadcasts, but keep an eye out for that. Also in the works, potentially an NFL draft live stream that I'm doing with a few people on the app as well. It's kind of like a, um, I guess it's kind of like, like, ESPN live type of thing, except obviously our own unique kind of spin on it, where there's going to be a few people just there analyzing. We'll have like, um give our thoughts on the draft landing spots all of that live updates as well i won't the reason i'm saying it is because it won't be scheduled on my thing i don't think because i'm not the one hosting it but i will be like one of the co-hosts analysts on there so i'll give more information as that comes up and it's going to be with a lot of really smart people on that app too and a couple of the big verified guys are hosting it i think so 
you know, it's pretty cool. So anyway, let's move on. We got most polarizing players for 2022 fantasy football to talk about. I think I'm ready to get into it. There's no real news to talk about today. Uh, next week and the week after, I think, are starting rookie preview shows. I'll get into that. There's only so much we can talk about before landing spots come out, but I'll give you my general thoughts on the rookies this year, um, and we'll see what happens there. And then post-draft, I'll give some initial j- dynasty rankings as well. So those next few weeks will be very dynasty-focused. Let's talk redraft for a bit. Let's talk next year. Let's talk Russell Wilson, who's the first quarterback on this list. So Russell Wilson, we know he got traded to the Denver Broncos. And I feel like for most people, his ceiling is going to be really, really high. And his, um, I, I feel like he'll be drafted pretty highly as well. He's just not like that high up in fantasy pros rankings as of now. And I feel like I'm not 100% sure how the fantasy pros rankings work early in the offseason, like if they're updated that regularly. So I don't know if I love to take too much stock into that right now. But so sometimes I don't. But like just as a reference point, Russell Wilson is the quarterback nine um, on fantasy pros. And he, I don't know, again, if all of that is updated or not. He's behind guys like Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow. Those are all fantasy great players. I feel like he has the potential to exceed some of those. He's very elusive. He wasn't himself last year with the injury. So I guess the question for him is kind of just, will he bounce back from his problematic year last year? And I would say yes. I think the new environment's going to help him. I just don't, I don't love it. Because you say what you will about the play calling, say what you will about the offensive line. Russell Wilson had weapons in Seattle and didn't really perform. And I know he was hurt. So I know he's going to bounce back at least somewhat. But is he going to be a superstar fantasy quarterback? I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to tell. He's like going to be 34 years old, I think. Or no, not 30. Eh, no, I think I'm wrong there. That seems way too old because he was drafted in 2012. Actually, no, wait. Russell Wilson age. Yeah, he's 33. Never mind. He will be 33 and 34 next year. So I remember that. And I was like, wait, that doesn't seem right. But it was. He's been in the league for a while. So anyway, the point is he may have lost a step. And he does tend to hold on to the ball for a while. And if he's not quite as elusive as he used to be, maybe he's not the same playmaker he used to be. And Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are still downgrades from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. That is for sure true. And I mean, maybe the play calling gets an upgrade, but in general, I don't mind where Russell Wilson's sitting right now. I think he's honestly got some risk. I feel like there's a chance Russell Wilson's not a reliable fantasy quarterback next year, but he's got some upside. So he's worth drafting in that back end QB one range. And if you're pursuing the later round quarterback strategy, which of course I always recommend, that's a fine spot to take him at quarterback nine. Like you're not spending that much and you could get a stud. So that's fine with me. His price might inflate. We'll see. But where that is, that's all right. Trey Lance, another polarizing player, just because we haven't seen him much. And I don't feel like I have, like, I I don't feel like anyone can have a take on Trey Lance that they 100% believe is correct, just because we haven't seen him on an NFL field really at all. Like, I have the take on Trey Lance that I think he has tremendous upside and is well worth a pick at his current ADP, which is laughably low. I'm going to be all in on Trey Lance for next year but I can't say with hundred percent certainty that he's going to work out. The reason that I'm all in on him is of course, we know he has a ton of rushing upside from college. That is huge for fantasy football, rush, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, obviously give way more points than that of the passing variety. And Lance is going to be available later in drafts right now. He's the quarterback 13 on fantasy pros, like that tier three kind of spot. Interestingly, Tom Brady is quarterback 14, but I feel like that is maybe weighted pre when he came back, because I see him ranked as low as 36. So maybe Brady 
would be ahead of Trey Lance in that situation. So the point is Trey Lance is probably going to go as a back end QB one top end QB two kind of guy. I am very, very happy to take him there. I will pair him with somebody, maybe a more consistent guy, or I won't like maybe just, you don't even need to pair him with somebody. You can pick up a guy off the waiver wire. Kirk cousins is going to be free, or you can just draft Kirk cousins in the last round or somebody around along those lines, Ryan Tannehill, Trevor Lawrence, Derek Carr, I guess Derek Carr is probably going to be better now with Devonte Adams. That's not a great example, but you know, you get the idea. It was kind of like, middling streamer kind of guys just get someone with a good week one matchup and then i think you can stream and if lance breaks out that's great you've got your quarterback for the year so i love trey lance for next year i he's very polarizing though i feel like a lot of people don't believe he came out of a small college and so maybe they don't believe he can make that jump to the nfl but we'll see carson wentz did it but now carson wentz isn't all that great so maybe not that best best of an example but he did do it from the same school now, let's move on to running back. Of course, this guy's mentioned, when you saw this title, you probably knew it was going to be talking about Christian McCaffrey for a good bit of this episode. CMC, the RB4 on Fantasy Pros, and he is impossible. My goodness. I don't know. I mean, even the people, like, even the funny thing is, even the injury-prone-is-a-lie people who, like, fade the narrative still think CMC is injury prone and are avoiding him. Like nobody right now, like literally no ranker on fantasy pros as CMC is the RB one. His best ranking is two. So even the people, the so-called fade, the narrative people like, yeah, I get that. But at the same time, I feel like that's more overrating the fact that injuries, I feel like that narrative should be, I almost take it in a way where it's like injuries are fluky and maybe the narrative about like a guy who's been hurt once or twice isn't as massive, like a Dalvin cook who used to be hurt a little bit early in his career, but it's not a lie. It's, it just can't be some players clearly get injured more time and time again, are more susceptible to injuries at certain positions, like running back. That's very true. When you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who's gotten hurt year after year, and it's the same kind of like ankle stuff, leg stuff, hamstring stuff. It's not all over his body. It's in the same place. There have literally been like medical professionals who have researched and found that some people's bodies are more susceptible to certain types of injuries in certain spots. So it's not a lie. And so that's why Christian McCaffrey is not the RB1. And I think people understand that. So seeing how he's RB4, that's interesting. I think I would take Jonathan Taylor ahead of him at the moment. I think I would probably also go Derek Henry and Austin Eckler ahead of him. Then that gets into the interesting tier because you've got guys like Dalvin Cook who will be very consistent. It's going to be a close call between CMC and Dalvin Cook next year. And honestly, I may end up going CMC just because of that upside, but it's so hard for me to do. And I feel like my inclination now is that I shouldn't, is that I shouldn't because he's too injured. He gets, can't even like stay on the field for like 10 games. He just gets hurt all the time. And when he's out there, he's going to be fantastic for sure. But at some point, the workload, I mean, even if, when he's out there, we'll probably see a little bit more workload management than we used to. He's not going to be the same CMC. So at that point, is the upside really worth it? I think it definitely can be. And I think he's probably a top six running back for next year. But it's going to be a close call between him and Cook. Harris, I think, could see a dip in production because he's going to lose a lot of receptions with Ben Roethlisberger gone, all those dink and dunk kind of things. Joe Mixon, that's another really close call. To be fair, Joe Mixon's also a guy who struggled with injuries, but he tends to not miss like more than just a few games a year. And like McCaffrey's injuries have been mostly season ending or several week kind of things. When you're on RB, on average, they miss a couple games a season. That's not a worry usually as much. But then again, I mean, I 
you know, it's hard to decide like whether to fade Joe Mixon's injury history entirely. I don't think you can. At the same time, I just don't think it's as severe as Christian McCaffrey's injury history. So he's, it's going to be close. And maybe you guys like if Marvin Gordon leaves, maybe Javante Williams soars up there. I love Javante Williams. But the problem is, so does literally everybody else on the planet. And I'm glad to say that I ranked him much higher than everyone in preseason. But now everyone's caught on and it's kind of just like it's going to be impossible to get him at a price I like. Like he'll be a first round pick locked in if Gordon leaves for sure. Next running back. So I guess I'm a little bit lower on Christian McCaffrey, but. Oh man, I'm going to tempt myself with that upside for sure. If he falls and then probably regret it if he gets hurt again, but it's so fluky. Like I can't say for certain. It's just something to consider as you go throughout the off season for sure. Next running back cam Akers is the RB 15. And Oh man, this is a tough case. I feel like, and I, I, Oh man, I feel like I am okay with where cam Akers is right now as RB 15. It's, I don't feel great about it. I don't love taking him in the top tier RB2 kind of spot because he was so unproductive and inefficient after returning from that Achilles injury. He clearly wasn't the same player that he was in the previous year. And yes, he came back so quickly. Maybe he wasn't 100%. But are they going to use Daryl Henderson more is the question as Henderson was kind of productive. Sony Michelle, maybe. I feel like Sean McVay will like to rely on Cam Akers as a workhorse. They used him a lot in the playoffs. But then the question is, does his efficiency get back up there? He's never been an efficiency monster. And Achilles injuries, unlike ACLs, Achilles do take a lot tougher. It's a lot tougher for a running back to fully recover from that kind of thing. So what if Cam Akers turns from a 3.9 guy to a 3.6 guy? Like, then he's not that good. And then they just can't use him for 20 carries a game, like no matter how much Sean McVay wants him to be the next Todd Gurley. So I feel like his price is pretty fair. Like, guys, ahead of him, Aaron Jones, Antonio Gibson, Leonard Fournette, DeAndre Swift, I'm taking all those easy Guys behind him, David Montgomery, probably over Cam Akers. Ooh, actually, on second thought, that's really close. That is a hard one because Cam has so much upside, especially in that awesome offense of the Rams. If, if he ends up blowing up, he's a high-risk proposition. He's a guy who can give you a ton of rewards. So if you're chasing that at your RB2 slot, which is a fair thing to chase, given like maybe someone likes to go a little bit like hero RB, get one elite running back, maybe chase upside later. Haskins, or I mean, sorry, I did not mean to say Haskins. I saw his name on the side of the screen. By the way, um, now at least now that that's brought up, uh, of course, prayers out to his family, which if you hadn't heard, Haskins was killed hit by a car in the middle of the road, which was a tragic accident. And so prayers up to his family. He seemed like an incredibly good guy. And so that was kind of, that was a sad story over the weekend, but I did not mean to bring that up. I saw his name on the side of the screen. So I apologize if I brought anyone down, but acres going back to what we were talking about is probably going to be like that solid RB two spot with some upside, but you got to take the risk that maybe he's not going to, pan out but a lot of running backs that range may not like you look at other guys around there like James Connor if they get another guy I don't love that as much Saquon ooh, that's really risky <laughs> um but guys around there start to get like that and then you have safe guys with not two on tons of upside like David Montgomery James Connor so it's all about how you're building your team I would say but I feel like I'm slightly maybe slightly lower than K makers than the consensus will be as of now now last running backs James Robinson, Travis Etienne, polarizing? Yes. If you don't think this is polarizing, 
it, you should because James Robinson's ranking is laughably low on fantasy pros. I think it's really a toss up as who to take as to who to takes this backfield. If I had to pick somebody to get more touches, it would probably be, be James Robinson, but ETN would probably be my pick for the majority of pass catching work, which is more valuable in fantasy. So in general, it's really a toss up for me, but you know what? I'm taking James Robinson every day because Travis Etienne is the RB24 and James Robinson is the RB37. What are we doing? Urban Meyer is gone from Jacksonville. There is no obligation to play Travis Etienne. The same people who said that there's no obligation for Urban Meyer to play James Robinson are now silent when a new coach comes in who didn't pick Etienne in round one. Draft capital is basically irrelevant at this point. And James Robinson has shown that he's an elite inside runner. He's going to be a screaming value. How on earth is James Robinson RB37 behind guys like Melvin Gordon, Ramondre Stevenson, Tony Pollard, Kareem Hunt, Chase Edmonds. He's six spots back. That's insane. Guys like Rashad Penny, Singletary even, Edwards Hilaire. Like there's a lot of guys I would take James Robinson or consider taking him above. And then Cordero Patterson, another guy like that. I mean, that's a kind of a high upside pick. It kind of depends on what Atlanta's going to do at running back, as do some of these guys. But in general, RB 37, come on now. James Robinson could easily be an RB2 next year. And I understand saying he doesn't have a ton of upside. But if you use that argument, neither does Travis Etienne. James Robinson is not going away. That's not going to happen. He's, you know, I mean, yes, he's in a contract year, whatever, three-year contract. But like, I mean, that does that even matter at all? Like, no, he's going to be great. He's going to get the ball. Maybe ETN will get it more near the end of the season. He'll catch more passes. But, and I'm not like saying I'm stunned if ETN finishes ahead of Robinson, but 13 spots when I don't even know who I take straight up at this point. That's pretty crazy. Let's talk wide receivers. So in general, I would... Fading ETN at that spot is probably smart, but I'm more buying James Robinson and selling Travis ETN in redraft, but it's kind of both wide receiver. And I feel like I talk about these guys like every day, but it doesn't matter because there's more storylines going on. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, just as Russell Wilson affects Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, Drew Locke will affect DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Maybe the, uh, the Seahawks get Malik Willis or something along those lines. But right now I'm not confident that DK Metcalf can be a wide receiver one next year. I feel like there's that possibility though, because he's just too talented. Maybe Drew Locke will just feed him, but Drew Locke just cannot as until they acquire a quarterback. And I don't even think they can at this point because this draft class is so weak. I don't think there's anything at this point that can convince me that DK is a wide receiver one. When you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen around that range, I'm not taking DK over those Tyler Lockett. He's a little bit better of a value to me. I honestly think that with a guy like Drew Locke, maybe he's not heaving it up deep to a guy like DK, maybe a better all around receiver in Tyler Lockett will get the ball a little more, honestly. So I like that value a little better at wide receiver 27. I just, I mean, it's just going to be that Tyler Lockett inconsistency though, once again. And the problem with Tyler Lockett, as I've said so many times, and guys like DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, if they can have Mike Williams, another example, they can have big blow up games, but more often than not, they are disappointing you. And of course, those blow up games can help, but they don't help you if they're sitting on your bench, which a lot of people year in, year out have Tyler Lockett on their bench when he blows up. And then when you have him, I mean, if you start him all the way through, you're dealing with 12, 13 weeks where he doesn't live up to your expectations and it's a frustrating player. You have to listen to that frustration because 12, 13 weeks, he's letting your fantasy team down. So that's important. And so, yeah, it's just sometimes you fade the narrative and I don't care about being at number one accuracy and rankings because it, in terms of a guy like Tyler Lockett, because maybe Tyler Lockett finishes as a wide receiver too. I don't necessarily rank him there because of inconsistency.
because I know that even the best lineup setters aren't going to get it right 100% of the time. In best ball, sure, he's fantastic. Not in redraft, and or at least not as much as people say. Let's talk another wide receiver, Elijah Moore at the wide receiver 22 spot. He's going to be polarizing because people have all sorts of opinions about Zach Wilson. Elijah Moore currently, again, wide receiver 22. That is pretty high, and I love Elijah Moore, so I don't mind that spot for him. But, I mean, he's ahead of a guy like Brandon Cooks who consistently produces. I do think Zach Wilson will take a year to jump. I want to still believe, but I don't have as sky-high expectations for Zach Wilson as I did coming into the draft because he kind of let me down in year one. But he's shown some flashes for sure. But Elijah Moore is going to be looking at a lot of targets next year for sure. Probably be the centerpiece wide receiver one of this offense. And it all depends on what you believe on Zach Wilson. I feel like people on the Zach Wilson bus train could have Elijah Moore outside their top 35, but people all in could have him maybe as a solid like mid-tier wide receiver too. So it all depends. I'm kind of in the middle on him, but I acknowledge he has a lot of risk. Next guys, or next guy, I'm Amon Ross St. Brown. He's a guy who produced so much. He's already done it. Produced a lot, even with Jared Goff. So I don't see, like, there's no quarterback issue for him here. But the Lions added back DJ Shark. They're getting DeAndre Swift back from an an injury. Still have TJ Hawkinson. Still going to get other guys for sure. It's just hard with that crowded receiver room to know where he's going to be. I think he's still going to command a lot of targets. But Swift will too. Hawkinson will too. Maybe Amon Ross St. Brown outpaces Hawkinson. I wouldn't be surprised there but Swift will have his share for sure. So he could easily be the top target in this offense. But in a Jared Goff-led offense with that many weapons, I just don't know if we're seeing massive upside from him. He's currently ranked at wide receiver 28. This range from like 20 to 30 has like a lot of like solid receivers and it's pretty deep in general. So he could honestly range anywhere from that back end wide receiver two spot to maybe outside of the top 30 by a little bit. He's in that spot. So I feel like 28 is a solid ranking for him currently, but I mean, a lot of people are going to have different opinions about how DJ Chark affects him. I don't think DJ Chark's going to be a wide receiver one or the wide receiver one in this offense. I think it's going to be St. Brown, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a pretty even split and I wouldn't be stunned if Chark picks the majority. So you just have to remember that like there is a risk that Amon Ross St. Brown falls outside, maybe the top 40, top 35 receivers. I just think he's staying around for sure. Um, let's talk tight end. There's not a ton that's polarizing about tight end because with tight ends, you either have to lock yours up early or go late and just get a trash one because there's no point in going through that dumpster five or middle round tight end and setting a pick on fire because you're just as likely to hit on someone from later in the draft. So the here, here's the main debate, and it's really whether Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews is tight end one in redraft. And it's interesting, and I think for me it's Kelsey for a couple reasons. Number one, of course, the Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill. That helps Kelsey's target share. He's the type who can handle double teams and still be dominant. Um, And I I know Juju Smith-Schuster, I've said it time and time again, isn't taking like massive coverage away from anybody. But Travis Kelsey will still be great. Maybe he'll have a couple more games than usual where he's shut down. But the problem with Mark Andrews is he scored a lot of touchdowns. I feel like that's bound to regress, and a lot of his – Production came in games with Tyler Huntley playing and not Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson just like he will have games where he relies on Mark Andrews a lot, but more often than not, he's spreading the ball around. He's running it himself. And now this team is getting back JK Dobbins too. And they're also maybe in the running for Melvin Gordon as RB and then getting back Gus Edwards. They have a lot of more of a potent running game than they did the previous year. Um, for sure, is what they're going to have. So overall, there's really no way that Mark Andrews matches his production from last year. Yes, he could still be the tight end one, but I would rather have Kelsey at this point. So that wraps up most polarizing players for 2022. Tweet at me at Calvin underscore SGF. If you have any questions, I'm happy to go deeper into it. But I wanted to get some guys like, I don't even know how many did we talk about. 
um, six, 10, 12 guys where we kind of go deeper into their values and see thoughts on them. Kind of, it goes a little quicker, obviously when I don't have a guest, I will be trying to book more guests to get more unique perspectives for sure. But, um, when it's been like a torrent of stuff to do as of late, hard to do, but I'll just give you guys great analysis, of course. So tune in throughout the off season. This is getting you ready for your fantasy draft one week at a time. Rookies coming up next week and the week after follow the Twitter at SGF pod for any updates. Otherwise, as soon the shows are coming out each Monday. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next time.